Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. That gentleman over there is the fluffy Will Curran of Endless Events. <laughs> and that man over there is the cluttered Brant Kruger of Event Technology Consulting. You know, because you got like all Not the today. I'm, pr- I'm pretty uncluttered. I'm actually you're, fairly you're organized? well organized. There's yeah, no like, yeah, there's yeah. no electronics on the floor today. <laughs> um... <laughs> It's in a camera bag. Does that does that count as on the floor? Um, no, it's as long as it's in a bag or a case or yeah. I got a shotgun okay. mic in a box over there. Okay. That's fair enough. That's fair okay. Enough. All right. <laughs> um, well, we're also joined by a a third gentleman of, uh, in the house. I know a guest. Wow, it's been a while um, <laughs> since we've had any guests on Ventec Park. We've been social distancing, <laughs> Brant and I, from our guests apparently. Um, but we are joined taking social <laughs> taking social distancing to the extreme. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we are joined by the awesome Kyle Kochinski of Endless Events. Kyle's actually our head of implementation over at Endless, and uh, he's our launch pad technician. I think is his technical is a technical title, right? Kyle? That's right. Awesome. And so Kyle's the, 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 the expert. So it's funny whenever I go on webinars and people start asking me like, what's the best platform? What's the best technology for this? What's the best streaming this? And I go, you know, to be honest, I have a guy. His name is Kyle. He knows all that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the master. Kyle, uh, well, I, I realized, I realized I, out of tradition, uh, I didn't give you an adjective. So today you'll be known as the eight Kyle Kochinski. I don't know. Is eight like, considered like the an number? The number eight. Uh, we had this discussion, I think, a couple episodes ago, where it was like a number or something, and we're like, "Is that really an adjective?" But I like eight. Kyle, is is eight happen to be your fa- your favorite number of all time? It's not, but you don't want to meet my other seven Kyles. <laughs> there you go. That's how he gets so much done. There in you go. One single day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, Kyle. We're really excited to have you here. And uh, today we're we're talking about uh, platforms. Everybody's favorite topic about what what's kind of happened in the last year with platforms. Where are they going? And you know, just a kind of open ended conversation on kind of the state of event, virtual event platforms and the state of event platforms. Um, so yeah, if, if, if you, we're ready to dive on in, I think if you, I, I'll give you a good starter question. If you had to describe in like maybe like one or two words where event apps are right now in event platforms, what would you use to describe where they are now in kind of their development phase, I guess you would say? Give you a um, deep question. I would say that they've become more uh, automated uh, there's a lot more recommendations happening for you when you get into the platform uh, rather than having for you to be able to decide what you want to do yourself. You're getting all of those new recommendations. So that's been a, a huge advancement. Mm. What And in terms of like recommendations, because like I think like obviously networking has been like the big one everyone pushes, right? Like AI-based matchmaking. But what sort of other recommendations do – do attendees kind of have to look forward to, or I guess planners as they're starting to look at these platforms? Yeah, so as soon as they get access into the platform, they're able to see what sessions 
would be most interesting to them based on uh, how they signed up in the registration process. So there's a lot of key questions that you can ask even before they get into the platform to, to try to personalize their experience as soon as they get in. Mm, mm, I like it. I like it. Okay. So like we can kind of, do you think we we're looking at a world? Sorry. I'm just like quick firing you a ton of hitting you hard with tons of questions right now. Um, Coming out swinging. Do you think that we're going to be coming into this world? This is like a, a jam-packed episode. We're going to like go straight into the tactical. Um, do you think what we're going to be coming in this like next year then where there's going to be even more recommendations? or And do you start to think there's going to be a point where the attendee almost doesn't have to do anything and the, the app and the platform does all the choices for you? I totally see that as a possibility. Like all about the choose your own adventure and being able to make the event experience your own. And I think that also really plays into uh, on-demand content. So a, a lot of events in 2020, maybe they were only open for a short period of time. Uh, well, now they're going to be using the platform as kind of more of a community to bring everyone in, have them come back to it. And now when they, they're able to rewatch all the sessions that they may have missed when they initially went live. Hmm. Mm, I'm 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 gonna try not to take the thunder away from Brand. If you have any questions, no, or thoughts, it's fine. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's fine. I, you know, there's there's so many different directions you can go in platform conversations, and and um, it's with as 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 much as they have exploded over the course of the last year. I mean, we I you know we went from basically four or five um, platforms that were in play, you know, a year ago. And, you know, immediately folks started to try and use the P word to, uh, you know, add functionality to their to their platforms, add video and audio capabilities to their platforms. Have you seen any real successes out of the ones that were not originally around? You know, were the, you know what are the platforms that uh, have stuck out to you as ones that weren't doing this a year ago that are doing it very well now? What's really interesting is that the technology companies that weren't really around when they were doing more of this, the mobile apps for events, those companies have had so much more freedom to build out features at a much faster rate than a lot of the other companies that started with being an event mobile app because they already had their technology framework in place and they already kind of had their limitations for what they could build, what they can add. Whereas a lot of these brand new uh, platform companies, they're starting from the ground up. They're noticing what these other event mobile app companies were missing out on uh, and now being able to really tackle and be creative with engagement features, adding more movement within the actual platform itself, whether that is a like, distanced video coming up as you're walking up throughout the platform, you might be able mm -hmm. to see it as soon as you walk closer to an attendee in the platform, their video now pops up and you can have a conversation. Um, so rather than just clicking around in an interface uh, and selecting that attendee, you're now able to, to walk up to write them and meet them for the first time like you would uh, uh, at an event. Well, it's interesting. Like a true that event technology diplomat, he successfully avoided <laughs> actually naming any companies. <laughs> you know what? I'm the same way. I really do, you know, for the most part, try and avoid calling individual companies out. Um, so I kind of, I kind of, that was kind of a cruel. A cruel you got to make it evergreen. You know, this episode has yep. to be around for the next like five years, you know? Um, well, yep. it's funny too that, uh, Kyle, you bring up the point too that like, Really, it's the new fresh faces that are really seeing the innovation and unique features because 
Um, it actually relates to this term, uh, and uh, there's probably developers out there and event tech people who actually work at these companies. I think it's called like code debt or um, uh, uh, debt. Uh, yeah, code debt, I think is what it's called. But at some point when you build up your app so big and it has all this code and code and code, you get the point where it's like it slows you down because you have all this like, oh, it might break this other thing, this other feature when you implement this XYZ feature versus like when you start fresh, you can just literally add things on really, really easily. And that's why, you know, you always hear these crazy stories about people whose banking structures were built on like 1992 databases. And you're like, why? And it's like, well, at some point it becomes so expensive just to try to rehaul it that you have to just keep going deeper down the rabbit hole. And, all and it works, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you've got an established code base that's been debugged for years. Um, you know, when you build something from the ground up, you're taking a chance. You're introducing, you know, new mistakes that haven't, you know, oops, we forgot to do that. Oops, there's a comma we missed. Um, and so, but what, but at the same time, like you said, the, 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 the younger ones uh, have been able to <laughs> innovate a lot faster. Um, you know, I was really surprised. I was working with one of those four large incumbents and the number of things that said, yeah, we can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? Well, well, we can, but we have to like hard code it on the back end in order to be able to do that. And that's way, you know, we're not able to do that on this short of a notice. Um, okay. You know, and, and also even just things like uploading a video to the platform, we need that five days in advance because it needs to be done again on the back end because it's, it's, you know, hard coded type stuff as opposed to, you know, these, these features have been written in from the beginning on a lot of these younger, these younger, uh, platforms. I, I, younger is probably not the best word because a lot of these companies <laughs> have been around for a while. Yeah. Uh, more recent converts, shall we say. Yeah. That's the tough part is like, yeah, you have this company who you've never heard of before, but they've been around for like five years. They just, oh, they've been like dominating an XYZ country market um, before and now they're expanding outside of it in a lot of ways. Um, Kyle, what are you seeing in terms of like um, reliability? When we talked about this, right? Like, is that like, yeah, oh, we can't do this. Oh, this might break. And I think that's you know, it sounds like an event planner's biggest nightmare is the idea that Murphy's Law has to exist inside of some of these these platforms. What do you what are you seeing in terms of yeah reliability across platforms moving forward? When when you're looking at starting an event or having your event venue taking place with uh, you know a company who's been more focused around you know mobile apps from the beginning for for events, I would say the reliability and making sure that your event doesn't have any technical issues is probably stronger if you're selecting a platform that's been around longer. Whereas if you're picking one of these new, uh, more evolving platforms that have just recently launched within the past year, there, there's more room for error because they ha possibly haven't tested it out the same. You're, they might not be doing uh, or producing the event in the same way for all of the planners. So they might be, uh, there's a lot more testing that needs to be done and there's not, not as much of a reliable uptime with some of these newer platforms. Um, so that's definitely a challenge when you're testing out new platforms. Um, but it also, you know, I always would like to tell planners, you know, if they've been stuck with the same platform for a while, you know, it's totally worth trying and, and figuring out what are your goals for your event because there are probably platforms out there that have features that are much more direct um, for how you can accomplish your goals rather than maybe you've been always stuck with the same platform and doing, uh, trying to accomplish your goals in the same way, you're now able to have more engagement features that can really connect those conversations if that's what you're looking for. Or some platforms, they've really expanded what it means to be a, a virtual exhibitor or a virtual sponsor 
Whereas a lot of platforms in the past, really that was just been a web page to find out more about that, that exhibitor or sponsor. It takes you to a link back to their website. Whereas now platforms, it's uh, especially as we get into hybrid, your platform, you want to be collecting all of your data here. And there's so much more, you're, so, you're able to quantify the results for your sponsors so much more than ever before, whether that's placing their ads in different places throughout the platform, whether that's tying exhibitors and sponsors to different sessions. Um, they're able to get so much more of a return than what they would have had just at an in-person event in the past. Um, so that's definitely something to look for is when you're planning, are those, you know, if, if having a really detailed exhibitor and sponsor booth that's part of your agenda and you want to be able to provide that to your um, to your stakeholders you have to take a look and see has your platform been offering that because if not there are platforms that do that um, but it just depends on your planning strategy for if you're just going to be virtual this year if you're going to be trying out hybrid um. mm. I think I think talking bringing the H word into the podcast already. We're getting starting to talk about hybrid as it comes in here, but I know Brand's getting excited because when he hears a word, like think of your goals first. He gets, he's like, yes. Yeah, I would say the yeah the 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 the, the Brant drinking game in my classes is every time Brant says goals and objectives, every time Brant says know your stakeholders, and every time Brant says it depends. <laughs> those, are, those are the three. So absolutely, I always love to hear that. You know, I love to hear when folks are talking about the why of their event before they start talking about the technology that they're going to bring to the party. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of uh, uh, the why and the transition towards hybrid. Um, how do you see apps evolving and what, where do you think the gaps are right now? Because I think like everybody this last year was so focused on virtual, right? So everyone's building out like one-to-one -one conferencing of video and, um, the ability to do streaming, polling, chat, um, AI matchmaking, all that sort of stuff that you're talking about as well. But now, you know, we're going into this new world where half the people using the app you know, maybe less in the beginning, maybe like 10% in the beginning, but, you know, ten, eventually, you know, there's going to be a mix of in-person and virtual attendees across a single platform. Where, where do you see the future of these platforms evolving when it comes to hybrid? I think the first thing to really think about is attendance tracking is going to be more important than ever because for hybrid, you need to be knowing who's allowed into certain sessions so that you're able to monitor capacity within that, within that session as well as a lot of platforms, their only way of attendance tracking is by tracking who either registered for that session or uh, some platforms will also have the ability to track the analytics for how long you've been watching that stream and when you've been watching that. Um, so uh, definitely as we jump into hybrid, attendance tracking is definitely huge to, to be focusing on. And I would also say that being able to connect the conversations that you're having in the in-person venue to the virtual audience will be more important than ever because you'll have to consider is, is everyone that you're that, that's engaging in the session in person are they able to communicate with those virtual attendees during the session are they pulling up the mobile app on their phone to be able to still continue the conversation in the chat are at the in-person venue, are you able, are you bringing up those attendees up on screen at the stage so they could be asking Q&A? So the platforms right now, like you mentioned, you know, when they were planning for virtually, they were adding all these features in like 
Q&A and polls. But now we have to think about what's the best user experience for those that are attending in person? Uh, are they looking at their phone? Is that the best experience when they're actually attending in person? Should they be looking up on stage? So it's now it's the time for platforms to get creative and how do we streamline all of the communication um, from each of one of the locations? That's one of the strengths to having a platform as part of your strategy is that this is kind of the funnel for all of your communication, whether that's notifications going out about your event, whether that is um, where you're going to be scheduling meetings to network. If everything is funneled in this one place, then as both as a planner and as an attendee, it's very simple to, to understand what's going on, what are your, your capabilities um, within the event. I think, you know, one of the difficult questions that we're seeing is, as, the, as, as we're I mean, they were struggling with it before, but now in, as we're moving into hybrid uh, as well, um, is, is how do we choose that platform? I mean, it's, it's the number one question I get asked is how, how do I choose a platform? Oh, wow. And, Still's you know, there. where do I find the list? And, you know, there's 200 out there. And what's the biggest list and the best list and all that kind of stuff. Um, what's your take? Uh, Will and I have expressed our opinions on this multiple times over the last, <laughs> last few, few weeks. So, uh, but I'm curious to get kind of your take on, on how you answer that question for folks I think the first the first step to do is to understand what features are possible because a lot of the time if you don't know what's possible then you're just going to probably select one of the first few platforms you pick and then you're so you're um, the amount of time you're dedicating to actually doing research uh, you might not be giving as much time as it actually needs um, at, in 2020 you had to pivot quickly you know maybe you already had your in-person event planned and then you had to adapt really quickly so it made sense to to pick the platform that that was you know that you felt the most confident in but when you have a, a foundation for what features are currently out there within the market whether that is for communication or branding or education tracking even movement within the platform itself like how do you want to enhance your attendees senses when they're actually participating within the platform um, when, when you have that foundation, then it's, you know, have conversations uh, with, the, with different platforms by just searching virtual event platform, hybrid event platform. Just like you said, you will find the list of over 200 some different platforms. <laughs> but when you actually, when you gathered what your required features are, then you can start having conversations with these platforms or looking up on their websites to see if that's something they offer. And then don't stop until you have exactly what you need. Um, while some, while all platforms might not have 100% of what you're looking for, you will be able to probably find somewhere where that's about 80% there. And who knows, maybe within the next few months, they're going to have that update. A lot of these platforms, they're really willing to work with the planners and take the requests of features that they, they're needing because that's just going to help their platforms grow. The analogy that we keep coming back to and that, that continues to, it's the analogy that keeps on giving, um, <laughs> is, is this idea that the platform is your virtual venue. And, you know, what you said there, I think was really, is really important uh, that it's, um, 
you know, how you find them is, you know, you have to know what's available out there. You have to know what, what the capabilities are, what, you know, and the way that we do that with our in-person venues is no one person knows every single possible venue out there. You know, we, we, but there are good lists and there's, there's even companies, you know, like the Helms Briscoes of the world that, you know, or Conference Direct that, you know, that will help you, you know, find your, find your locations. And that analogy still works here in the digital world, you know, that you, you know, you, go, you look through lists, you try and find out what's available, but also you talk to your, you know, co- you know, most of the time when you find out about a new venue, it's because you went there for an event or you, um, you know, or you talk to somebody who's in a similar, you know, sp- event space as you. And, you know, yeah, we did our conference at the, that that place outside of Phoenix, you know, desert, <laughs> desert was it Desert Ridge or whatever. Yeah, you know, GW and Desert and, Ridge. <laughs> yeah, and it was beautiful, and we loved it, and it was amazing, and they had great service, and like that's how we find out about these things, you know, that kind of word of mouth combination platter of yes, looking for lists, but also talking to each other and saying oh, and going to events. So the more that we can attend our own, you know, attend hybrid events and attend virtual events um, and say, oh, that was amazing. I want to take that and use that platform on my own event. It's, it's exactly the way that we do it with venues. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be able to understand each, each stakeholder's experience within the platform for you to understand if it's the right fit for your own event. And more platforms now than ever, they're, they're having their own large event of the year where they're trying to bring everyone together into their platform showcase off their new you know product roadmap for the year um, and yeah it's, it's, it's totally what planners should be doing is experiencing what's out there uh, and then they can see like you're going to find different ways to do gamification across platforms you're going to find different ways that platforms are using a native streaming player within the platform so each one has a, a you know slight adjustments, and the best way to find that out is by putting yourself into that platform and trying it out. Hmm. I'm wondering too what what when it comes to these platforms. I think a lot of times we get really excited about features that we see, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, that's incredible!" Um, what What do you think is a feature that is that you think has bare bones when it comes to a platform? that it absolutely needs to have that most now have, right? But if it doesn't have it, you just need to immediately mark it off your list. Would you say for virtual or hybrid or both? Uh, let's say both. I would say you definitely have to have the ability to personalize the schedule, especially if the event has multiple sessions, because a lot of times you you get lost with what should I be attending? Or there's so much to filter through as far as content. What, when you can actually take the time and personalize your own agenda, I think that's really valuable so that you can, and it's also valuable for the planners so they can see what sessions that everyone is most interested in. I would and, say- and when you're saying, per, you're saying personalize, you're saying as an attendee, I need the ability to personalize it, right? Not as the planner. Ex- exactly. Obviously, as a planner, you obviously need the ability to enter yeah. your own agenda, but yeah. As, as but the yeah. attendee, you'll be able to you know bookmark what sessions you want. And then rather than having to go back to that main sessions page, you can just see the sessions that interested you on that first run through. Um, I would also say, you know, while the mobile app may have been less important for virtual, it'll almost be the number one necessity for hybrid because that's going to be your one way to funnel all the communication, all of the content uh, would be back to your mobile app. Um, I would say you'd want to look for a platform that has the ability a lot of platforms will charge differently depending on how you're streaming. 
whether you're streaming with their native streaming player, whether you're using an RTMP stream right from the venue, or you're just embedding it as an iframe. Um, so understanding you know, your costs, of uh, that's definitely going to be a consideration that you need to take. Um, but also you'll have to weigh the importance of is how easy of an experience do you want your speakers to have if they are presenting remotely? And that's where a lot of the platforms that are having these native streaming players are now succeeding is to make the user experience easier um, rather than having them log into a separate streaming player where they can't even see the live chat as the session is going on. Um, I would also say that uh, ways to track um, engagement within the platform, uh, like I would say during 2020, the ways to gamify the experience grew, but there were still limitations right now. Like there's the difference between manual gamification where you'll complete a task, but then you have to go to the leaderboard punch in your code, whereas some platforms, they've actually gone automated. So as soon as you've done that action, it's already taken effect into your, into your leaderboard. Um, and as far as gamification is, you can even have uh, earned badges now and being able to, as the planner, customize what those badges look like. If you're gonna use that same platform again next year, those badges can roll over to, so you can be collecting the badges year after year. Um, and as far as gamification too is, you can even unlock and earn prizes in a way and automate that. So as soon as you've reached this score, you can either pick what prize you want to redeem or you can, um, you know, you have the list of options where you can go through at a later time. It blows my mind that there's still, there's manual gamification. I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't imagine being an attendee me like, okay, I just did this thing. Okay, now I have a code. I have to go enter it in. Yeah. Like, I think as a, as we're talking about back to the original theme, like I'm I'm I want to be lazy. I want it to do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah. Oh my gosh, Brand, Brand, I'm gonna let you ask another question or <laughs> thoughts. Well, I mean, my mind's running a little bit on gamification, and so you know, just to tack on a little bit, just to say that you know, as we return to bringing back our in-person events, uh, to uh, keep in mind that a lot of the stuff that works in the in the physical world, you know, works in the digital world as well, that, you know, we can try and, you know, as part of creating that connection between those audiences, having that gamification run between those uh, two groups, you know, things like, you know, passport games as you go through the exhibit hall, you know, giving the online space the ability to, 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 to play along, to do those types of games as well. You know, have, you know, one of the people that I was talking to that's doing an in-person trade show, knowing that they're going to have a hybrid component is as part of their their exhibitor package, they're also allowing them to have a, an, an online booth. Um, so in addition to the physical space, they've got the online oh, space. So if you do something like a passport game or, you know, something along those lines where you have to visit X number of, of booths, um, you know, just making sure that, you know, both audiences can, can play along and have fun with it. And, you know, same with, you know, embeddable, trivia games and, you know, and things like that, that again, go into the mobile app. Um, you know, that's something that can be played by, by both audiences, including prizes and prize wheels and all that kind of stuff. And as you're building out your challenges too, you have to think about everyone who would be actually competing in these challenges. You want to make that the, there's challenges that anyone and everyone can be able to do, whether that is just starting with 
updating your profile and earning some points. But you also have to think there's going to be some overachievers in your event too, who's going to try to do every achievement right at the beginning of the event or as soon as they get access uh, into, the, into the virtual venue. So one of the best tips that we could recommend is add new gamification challenges along the way of your event so that it allows opportunity for those who come in later to the event to still feel like they have the opportunity to be participating and, and trying out and exploring. I like the way of thinking about like automating it too, that like, you know, if someone hits a certain level, you know, we're talking about building community, maybe figuring out a way to automate to like the gamification fit, like the reward system too, to reward you as soon as possible. Right. Like they, they kind of talk about this um, a little bit in terms of like, how do you design sales compensation uh, programs for salespeople? Uh, obviously sales compensation for salespeople, but um, in terms of like they say is like, hey, you can't make it too obvious or too too complicated in terms of like what action they take gets them what reward. Because if you if you make it too complicated, oh, you add this and it has this formula and based on this and you know you can't see yourself on the leaderboard, like people are just going to not feel motivated. But if you can see an action and see the immediate result that you get from it in terms of like, let's say for example, you close a contract for a deal, you immediately get commission on that deal, right? I think that same kind of logic exactly has to go to that to that uh, gamification mindset, and also too in terms of like if we're building a long term community, I'm imagining if you're 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 doing a big you know three day kind of virtual conference or hybrid conference, but then your your community on your app is continuing for a year after you know continuing that gamification and setting it up that yeah this person just hit a hundred posts in chat across multiple sessions, boom fire them off a t shirt. Or boom, um, you know they did X Y. They're your number one most engaged person. Gigantic box the size of a human full of swag gets sent their way, right? Like I think figuring out those automations so then that way they get the reward as soon as possible. Versus like it can't be your job as a planner just to sit here and monitor a leaderboard and be like, oh, and let's send them this, and then oh, that's this isn't going to work out this way anymore. But I think like trying to change that human behavior could be really really huge. Yeah, and I think that's where platforms, you know. Are still doing some catch up with is like how you still are seeing some are having this manual scoring so as a planner you do have to consider who is going to be managing this process for you but i think as as the year progresses we're going to see uh the ability to track uh these these accomplishments be even more simple for both the planner and the attendee the last thing i'll tack on to the gamification thing is just making sure much like in gaming, quote unquote, you know, you've got your hardcore folks with custom built rigs that are liquid cooled, you know, so that they can squeeze every possible frame out of, you know, whatever game that they're playing down to console people down to, you know, hey, I just want to play a little game on my iPad or my phone, um, you know, casual gamers um, who enjoy it equally, but have very different time commitments as far as what they're willing to do. You know, when we talk about gamification at our events, you have to serve those different types as well. There's going to be the people that are going to want to play the three-day game of who posts the most on social media. But, you know, also keep in mind the folks that are, hey, I just want to play something, some dumb little like, you know, a word search or, a, you know, a puzzle game or something along those lines, uh, rather than something that's going to, you know, take me three days or if, again, like you said, uh, Kyle, you know, I think it was Kyle, um, you know, making sure that, Hey, if you're coming in late, you 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 still have a shot at something. Mm-hmm. That's like the biggest thing you can f- be really angry about. Like, is, have you ever like talk about gaming, right? Like I've joined like multiplayer 
you know, shooting games and you join halfway through the match and your team's losing by like 20, 30 points. And you're like, there's no way I can catch up. We're playing the 100. We're at like 20 and they're already at like 60. There's no way we're going to win. Right. And it's like super demotivating that you end up just being like, all right, I'm just going to screw around and just kind of not give crap. Right. And I think that same exact mentality can totally be applied here. Yeah, well, a, you mentioned go ahead, go ahead. like uh, previously, like how plan like the platform is being used more as a community now. So, what are some of like the pros that you're seeing for why planners should be having their platform stay open longer than just their event? Well, I think you know that we always talk about like the the dream of long term engagement and post event engagement, pre event engagement, and. I think jokingly we used to say it doesn't exist, but now like everyone's like, well, maybe we could build like an online community. But I think the number one biggest benefit, I mean, there's so many that we can go down definitely a rabbit hole, but I think the biggest benefit is that you can turn it into some sort of like recurring revenue stream or some sort of long-term revenue stream for, for uh, an event um, to be able to fund for, um, you know, to have a community manager in your on your team, to have somebody who can do year-round social media versus... Um, I think we sometimes get trapped in this idea of, oh, no, we have the event, they pay $1,000, they come in, that's all the money we have, and the way we get cash flow in is just by ticket sales. But the problem is that you have to start selling tickets immediately right after the event, and then you have to have a year-round push of give us money, give us money, give us money, give us money, and versus this idea of like, let's say if someone pays $1,000 for the event still, but then they pay also you know, a membership fee or whatever it is um, to be a part of it. And this might sound really familiar to all of our association folks out there, but it's a very similar concept. But the idea is instead of like tying it into this idea of like um, just traditional chapters and thinking about an association, thinking about like an online community that you'd pay a monthly fee for, uh, I, think can, I think can be huge. Brant, what about you? One of the great things that we've learned, you know, obviously the last year has been a, a whole heck of a lot of not fun and 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 worse than that you know but it's uh, you know out of tragedy often comes um you know opportunity and and inspiration and innovation um and one of the things that we've seen over the course of this last year is a lot of folks playing around with instead of one giant three-day conference that runs eight hours a day um you know starting to spread that out a little bit because you don't have to compact it into a single, you know, because we, you know, you don't have to leave the office. So, you know, by exploring the possibilities of not being constrained by time and space and, you know, instead of having, you know, that three day compact thing, spreading it out and doing, you know, let's do one Monday afternoon a month for three months straight um, and those kinds of things. And then building, you know, you're growing that audience, you're building that audience and then work your way toward that you know, three, three day, you know, intense thing, or maybe knock it down to two days because nobody needs to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I really see this, the platform being used really within your marketing mix, like rather, you know, in the past when you're sending out communications about your event, typically it's, you know, a social media post or an email blast, but now you could be directing all of your, you know, your, your audience back into the platform to actually be active in that communication rather than passive and only be receding, receiving and reading, now they can actually engage with what you're trying to have them achieve. You can put more call to actions and it feels less um, spammy in a way rather than being followed up by, by emails. You're just like, come back into the platform. We have something special ready for you to, to come, and, come and explore. 
it's such a good point too. I and mean, like for the longest time, I've always preached this idea that so like when it comes to marketing, social media is rented land. It's like having an apartment that you, uh, yeah, it's great. It looks beautiful and oh yeah, it's fantastic. But you can, you know, let's say you want to paint the walls. Let's say you want to, um, you know, install, uh, you know, new light bulbs in every single fixture, all these things like that, right? Oh, I want to change the mirror I have in my bathroom. You can do all that, but then it's not yours. You don't get to keep it in the end. And then again, give moment, the landlord can come in and say, nope, you can't do that. Take it down. And you're sitting here going, well, I'm not getting what I want out of this anymore, but you're stuck still in this, this apartment that you're now obligated to in some ways um, versus, yeah, a platform which you own, you have full control over, and that you can monetize too. Uh, I think it can be absolutely huge. So, so I think uh, talk about revenue generating opportunities. I think it makes sense to talk about costs. And, you know, I know that there's so much information in terms of, pricing and trying to understand pl platform pricing. Say, but, it's easily the but, second, <laughs> like number two question is, when is <laughs> how do I, which platform should I use? The second one is how much does it cost? How much does it cost? But Brand, I'm, I think you, yeah. Why don't you hit us with some questions for Kyle in terms of uh, things when it comes to pricing? Well, people, I mean, people are really, truly struggling with, uh, again, this idea of uh, being, there's a lot of misinformation out there right now, like, because people want a simple answer. And so it's, you know, it's a simple answer of like, well, you should take your previous AV and production budget and add 37%, you know, and, and that's what that's what it's going to cost you. And that's, you know, we all here on this, you know, podcast would, I think, would agree. And if not, say so, um, that, that that's that, you know, that's going to be too low for some people and too high for others. And so, you know, having a nice succinct answer like that can be a bit of a trap. Um, you know, that being said, Kyle, like what are you seeing as far as ranges uh, when it comes to the platforms um, uh, moving forward? With some Especially the, compared to the last year or two. I want to know, like, yeah, have, things have, are, are they evolving, going down? Yeah, sure. or are they going back up? Yeah, all that stuff. Uh, so to to start, with some of the newer platforms that are out there, you're going to see it right on their homepage, start your event today for free. And they're going to, they want, they want to pull you in. They'll, they'll probably be advertising that you can have your event for up to 500 or a thousand people for free. But what that means is you get the bare bones of the platform and then all the other features that you want, that's what they're going to tackle up on top. Um, so beware when you're seeing that, okay, have my event for free because if you're looking at free platforms, uh, you're probably not getting the best overall experience from registration all the way to analytics. When you're looking at what is the average cost per person, that could be as low as $1, and I could say it would be as high as $20 per person. Totally depends on the platform and um, also as, the, the, as you're planning the event, you have to think about uh, every one of these companies, they're pricing their models differently. Um, many of them will price it out as an annual license so that you have to pay a large fee, but then you only have to pay per attendee as basically registration credits, but then you could host as many events as you want within that platform and only be paying per person. Whereas if you're doing more one-off events, there's still many, many options where you're just you know, paying for that one event. Yeah, you might be paying for, you know, per person, per exhibitor. Um, I would say there are only a few, a couple platforms will be paying for these a la carte items like 
Uh, some will charge extra to add in gamification, or some will charge extra to add in, um, in uh, a virtual lobby, which is basically just another way to add enhanced branding to different areas of your, of your virtual event space. Um, so kind of comparing to how things were in, in 2020, I would say that the prices are definitely probably going higher um, across the board because they're, and, but you'll also see some platforms that will try to, some of the newer platforms, they're trying to go lower so that they're trying to win over, um, you know, or any planners who are already committed to platforms that they used in 2020. This is kind of their tactic to try to bring in new business. But I think they're, you know, in order for them to survive, their pricing is just only going to go up. But since 2020, we're seeing the pricing models change, um, especially for platforms that want to stay open longer, like a community. Um, you'll see different pricing based on how long you want to keep the platform open. Um, I would say a standard amount of time that platforms will remain open is about 14 days from the moment that they get invited into the platform till the time they close. So if you're looking to keep those open longer, you'll probably be discussing more of a community level pricing with your, with your platform. Um, but that is, it's been more of a trend now where they're, they're starting to try to advertise to, to use the platform as this community like we've been discussing. And what you've illustrated there perfectly is that it's complicated. I mean, it's there's there's so many factors that you know. I mean, it's uh, the 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 metaphor continues. The 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 analogy continues. You know, you can do an event in a field, or you can do an event in the ballroom of the Ritz Carlton. Um, you know, it doesn't mean you can't put on a good event in either one, but it very much depends on your stakeholders and what they need and how many people you have. You know, I mean, you can you can do up to a thousand people's people on Zoom with a single license for $750 a year um, with a thousand people at any one given event is if I'm remembering the pricing, right? Um, I don't think that was a, I don't think that's a single when you upgrade to, it doesn't matter. Anyway, my point being, it's not that terribly expensive <laughs> for up to a thousand people. Um, and you can have a good event on zoom, mm -hmm. but you know, you lose some of this and you lose some of that. You don't have the scheduling, you don't have the networking and you don't have, you know, this and that you can creatively design around that. Just like you can creatively design an event for a field, um, versus the ballroom. And there's very different pricing involved in all of that. And it very much depends on your stakeholders and what you want to do. And like you said, whether or not there's, there's, there's gamification or all of those little features that tend to add up, you know, they get you in with the taste, but then they just, you know, keep adding on features, add on, add, add on, add on. Um, so, which makes the landscape, it makes it really, really hard to answer that question because the range is literally from zero to $250,000 for, for, for a platform. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. So very true. Very true. Well, I, I realize that we can probably literally talk for about platforms for probably a couple hours now at this point. So I think Kyle, we'll have to bring you back to keep this continuing this conversation um, down the road. But I realize if we go on forever, our audience will probably hate us because they're starting to get used to our little like 30 minute, <laughs> 45 minute snack 
snack episodes we've been doing recently. Um, but uh, let's make some noise for uh, Kyle. Kyle, thank you so much for coming and joining us and talking about platforms and sharing your knowledge. There's, little, I know that you have way more. <laughs> we we spent hours talking about this stuff. Before, Speaking so of just a taste, right? Just a taste, exactly, exactly. We're just giving you the freemium version of Kyle right now to, <laughs> to, to get a taste of what it's like. But Kyle, thank you so much for uh, coming on to the Event Tech Podcast. Oh yeah, thanks Brent, thanks Will for having me. And if you want to have any questions for Kyle or you want to uh, maybe slate up some questions that we can ask next time, uh, shoot us an email, eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. And uh, Kyle, where, where's the best place for people to kind of connect with you online? Yeah, uh, come search me on LinkedIn. We'll connect. We'll talk platforms and we'll find the best one that, that's meant for your strategy this year. I love it. I love it. And yeah, if you, if you don't know how to spell Kyle's last name, I'm sure it's going to be in the show notes and also on the blog too. So um, just feel free to copy and paste. I'm sure we'll include a link to his LinkedIn as well. But um, also, I got to thank my co-host, Brant. Thank you so much for uh, for being here as well. Pleasure as always. It's been, it was, it's been nice to have it not just be you and I. Not that I mind. I, don't I mind it at all, but it's nice it's to get it back into the groove. And we've so, got so some things on. Hard. Yeah, we've got, we've got some things on the horizon that uh, we're working on, getting a few more folks in to... Uh, to spice things up a little bit. Spice them up a little nice. bit. Yeah, we're, we're getting comfortable. We're all vaccinated now, so we're comfortable being in a similar digital room. With each other. Yeah, I'm getting getting vaccinated, so I'm comfortable having three people online. Together. <laughs> I got to ease back into social interaction. Yeah, gotta, we got to work our work our way back up to it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you also to the audience for hanging out with us and enjoying the podcast. Again, reach out to us, follow us on your favorite platforms, send us your questions. You know what to do. Uh, and we always appreciate you, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week on event podcast out thanks again for listening to the event tech podcast be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app also be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode we'll see you next week on the event tech podcast